Hello and welcome to the Life on This podcast. It's Sanderson here and this is a cheeky bonus uh, Life on This podcast because it is part four of our six-part mini-series on the six pillars of lifefulness. And so this podcast is going to be about personal growth. And the reason we wanted to make this mini-series is because when our guests are on, we want to go and uh, like dig into their ideas, like go and really investigate uh, how they can you know contribute to... We're really going to get information for you in your life to go and think about how we can learn the most from religious practices, from science, so that our listeners can have, you know, just great lives in great organisations and great communities. So that's what we do when we have our guests, but we wanted to have these podcasts, which just concentrated on the idea itself, so you could just go and dig in. And this is Pillar 4, and that is personal growth. And before we get into that, I'm just going to say a little reminder that if you want to get involved in the Lifefulness community, go into the show notes. We've got the Lifefulness small groups. We've got the Lifefulness 101 course. Check them out. Get involved. And here is episode four of the Lifefulness miniseries. Hello and welcome to episode uh, four of our six-part mini-series on lifefulness. And I am your host, Sanderson Jones. And I am your other host, James Croft. Uh, hey there, James. Uh, it, uh, what is it like in St. Louis today? In St. Louis, Missouri, it is dramatically storming. So you may hear the sound of thunder if you're very... Oh, I can just imagine that being very atmospheric and uh, sort of Midwesty, huge clouds coming in, and maybe the uh, the perfect setting for the conversation that we're going to have because the fourth uh, pillar of lifefulness or practice we need to practice or pillar, practice pillar, practice or pillar. We'll get there in the end. Uh, is personal growth, and that can sometimes be quite stormy, can't it, James? Yes, it can. I love the way you linked the meteorological conditions to our philosophical ruminations. Very impressive, Sanderson. I mean, I would say that is not pathetic fallacy. I'd say that is a very good fallacy. Oh, oh, it's coming. Oh, fast. I like every fallacy. <laughs> uh, and yeah, because every spiritual tradition has a, a part of it, which is about being on a pathway of personal growth, a pathway of a uh, sort of psychological maturity, a pathway of spiritual growth. And obviously with lifefulness, you know, we want to make sure that this community and this practice, everyone is also on their own sort of uh, pathway of growth. And James, that's something that you've been looking at today in the Ethical Society in St. Louis. Yes. So at the Ethical Society of St. Louis, we're really interested in helping people in their personal growth. One of our main goals is that people who come and join our community experience some sort of growth, some sort of growth that they want because they're a member of our community. And something we've been doing recently is doing a sort of audit of all our groups and programs to ask, how does this move people along their path? Because people come to us for a lot of reasons with a lot of different mm. needs. And I'm not always sure that we meet all of them. So we're kind of trying to be really intentional about how to help people with their personal growth right now. And I think sometimes in sort of inclusive communities like Sunday Assembly or uh, the Ethical Society in St. Louis, people can be a bit, maybe a bit reticent to sort of talk about 
you know, what, how do you want to grow? Whereas in uh, spiritual traditions, obviously there are, you know, there's like, that's really at the heart. They've had longer to develop them. So the idea of uh, WWJD, uh, what would Jordan do? Oh no, it's a, what would Jesus do? Uh, the, uh, yeah, that's the, like, that is really like a way of thinking about it. Like, how can I be, you know, grow into being more like Jesus? There's the six P, no, five pillars is Islam uh, and the eightfold path in Buddhism. Absolutely. All these great religious traditions have ways in which people are expected to grow in their commitment to the religion and also in their qualities of character, their virtues that are aligned with the spiritual pathway. And sometimes it can be difficult for people who don't have a religious view to have a framework for self-development even though we all want to grow i think we all want to become better sometimes it's difficult to know how if you don't have a framework for that and i think there's also something in that when you go and add in that spiritual level of saying that i think it and again in sort of more secular traditions we might feel a bit backwards in coming forwards and saying that's there is a different way of being the and that's not to judge but like and that you can have a conscious pathway that will change how you go through the world it will change uh, it will change how you be and again this runs into that you don't want to that like you know if you go and meet a wine snob and they're like oh my god this wine does this you don't really you don't really taste wine the way i do and but there's a truth in that as well isn't there like if you are a classical music uh, connoisseur you can go and you'll be listening to something and you just are appreciating it in a different way and so I sometimes think that that's one way of thinking about that pathway of spiritual growth it is a different sort of appreciation sensibility and way of being so honestly I think you put your finger on something really important about personal growth within secular communities or communities that don't take a traditional religious perspective which is that very often there is a reticence to promote the idea that frankly there are better and worse ways of living because people think instinctively that that's judgmental to make judgments of quality about how to be is judgmental but as you rightly point out in every area of life we can become more knowledgeable or more mm -hmm. nuanced in our ability to appreciate or make distinctions between different things we can grow into ourselves in various ways that looking back we recognize oh i really did grow i developed and any concept of personal growth has to have embedded in it an idea of better or worse there's no such thing as growth if you can't get better yeah. and you can't right and, so and we have to be comfortable with that and, and I think we sometimes we go and see it looking at our own lives. We can look back and be like, oh, my God, I was in a really bad place there. What did what does that mean? It's, you know, my way of being in the world uh, didn't serve me. It didn't serve the people around me. It didn't serve the world. And and again, that you don't have to be sort of judgmental about people being in that place. But you would and you don't have to be uh, judgmental about uh, really all of it but you can just say like actually your life will improve if you are able to sort of grow in a certain direction which goes and enables you to live uh, Roberto Unger's got this idea of a larger life 
And that doesn't mean a sort of hip hop, live large, big house, five cars, but it's, you know, like we can, you can live a larger life. You know, there will be sort of Buddhist monks who will be sitting on the edge of a mountain with nothing and cold and being in some peak of existence, some peak of being, which is as not like none of us can even imagine. And so there is a way of being in the world and it can be stiller and it can be carry it can be bridges it, I, I just went from ben stiller into sort of other sort of 90s comedy actors there sort of uh sort of uh, the, 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 like really flying under the radar joke couldn't really call it a joke had to go and highlight it now so uh the i didn't get the references i feel terrible well stiller jim carrey jeff bridges dumb and dumber i've I pushed out i pulled out because I, I did think, you know, it was maybe I should have kept on going listing 90s stars. Wilson, Vaughan, come on. Uh, the So we've got an editor, but um, we're not going to take that out. Well, a new Jim Carrey. Yeah, there we go. Uh, and I guess the, yeah, so just circling back on that, I'd say that actually this question of personal growth for me has been at the heart of this work because I've stood up at Sunday Assembly many times and said uh, we didn't start this because we had all the answers but we started it because we had lots of questions and it was about two years ago that I got diagnosed with having ADHD and for me that has been a huge thing in my life like so much of my life I have spent sort of trying to sort of solve the problem of me in a way of being uh of there being certain things which i would find easy and then other things that i would find very hard there would be uh some things which i'd excel at and then i would go and two weeks later find myself be not sideways it'd be uh in terms of doing it i would sit down and one day i would go and have all the energy in the world and then another day i wouldn't and so it's only, and it was two years ago that I got diagnosed with having ADHD. And look, I'm not saying that's at the root of everything. You know, it's really hard to unpick these things, but that sense of, you know, really wanting to come to a place and be part of a way of living, which is about trying to improve and about trying to sort of, grow and about being able to contribute because obviously when you're like for me when I look back as these times when you know I wasn't necessarily as in control of myself as I'd like to be that's not a fun place to be that's not a place where you feel that you can contribute to the world as much that you feel that uh, that I would feel that I'm making the most of this time on earth and so yeah it's been you know, part of doing this has been part of that journey of growth. And and I think that everyone, like not everyone's going to have late diagnosis ADHD. Like there's various things Like my mum died when I was very young and didn't necessarily hand, uh, handle the grieving part of that as well as it could be. And we've all got our different stuff. We've all got our different things that we're dealing with. And 
And I think that's what these traditions are so good at is like, you know, trying to unpick of like having this commitment to growth and, and yeah, and it's one of the parts of it that I find most satisfying. I think I, I resonate with so much of what you said there. And something that strikes me about these religious traditions is that very often they have a component in their narrative that is about human imperfection, where they mm -hmm. say to people, you know, if you're honest with yourselves, you've got some work to do to become the sort of person you'd really like to be, or that sometimes you really should be regardless of what you want. Mm -hmm. And I think the secular world tends to try and big people up a lot and tell them that they're already fantastic as they are, which is a great message in a certain sense. But I think that all of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, do understand that we have some development that we could do to become better in some area of our lives, whether it's managing our professional affairs better, whether it's being better in our relationships, whether it's dealing with our mental health challenges better, whatever the challenges you have, you have something that you want to work on. And having a community by your side and some practices that you can do regularly to help you is really valuable. And so many non-religious people just don't have that. Yeah. And that the, I mean, just hearty, like uh, woke uh, finger waggling support. Oh, you can't see this on the podcast, but I'm doing the thing where you don't clap and you just shake your hands so that I don't give James anxiety attacks. Uh don't write in, it's just a joke. Also for, uh, also for deaf people who, who, it's part of sign language, man. Oh, real God, <laughs> I didn't mean to like put shots across the bowels of the signing community. Oh, right. Oh, well, rats. Uh, I can't hear it. Oh, no. uh, the, so uh, after that horrific uh, faux pas, uh, yeah, and so this is the advantage of lifefulness is that you know, I, and because I, I can see why secular traditions can sometimes steer away of that sort of saying that you're broken, because there are some religions which do it in a super negative way and which make it about lifestyle choices which they don't agree with, but which are acceptable. Are you getting a tattoo? You're broken. You're gay. All of these things. So you can see why a certain position would be like you're not broken you're fine and so like one way i think about it is like humans aren't broken but we're an evolutionary hack like we are like it was just like it wasn't it wasn't a grand design and that's the issue our brains don't work as well as uh we we would like them to and the handy thing about lifefulness is that we can go and learn on this side from these really amazing spiritual traditions and the sort of wisdom which is in them and how they are able to support people in doing that in community. But we can also go and look at scientific elements as well. And uh, there's one person who I, and there's, I very much admire in this area from the field of adult developmental psychology, a man called Robert Keegan. And when I mentioned him to you, James Croft, uh, as we were talking about this when we were just preparing for this podcast and preparing for our book, you just went, oh, Bob Keegan, 
He taught me at Harvard. That's true. I had the great pleasure of taking Bob's legendary adult development course at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. His, uh, his framework, like there's a lot of psychological frameworks that talk about how people grow through life. But the really interesting thing for me about Professor Keegan's model... Prof. ...is that he, he, he makes the, the point that you're not done developing when you reach adulthood. One of the things that he was really interested in as a psychologist was that many stage models of development basically stopped in like your mid-twenties, as if you were done with growth then. And he Thank was interested fuck, in that. Actually, we are no? not done with growth in I our know. mid twenties. What a total S show that would be. That would be a mess if I was my 25 year old self. I'd still be in the closet, Sanderson. My goodness, that would be a disaster. There'd be weeping women everywhere trying to do that. <laughs> but, right, but that's a, Bob's idea is Bob's big idea is that. <laughs> if he called his book that. <laughs> Bob's big idea instead of like developmental organizations or what have you. Right. Is that right? We grow through life. We're not done when we're in our mid twenties or when we just reach adulthood, that there are many stages of psychological development to go and we still have to keep working on them. And he, you don't have to accept his model. There's a lot of different developmental and growth models, but it's really important to remember that adulthood isn't the stopping point for life like we've got to keep trying to improve ourselves for our own sake and for the sake of people around us and also not not this isn't a sort of like uh get better you can't really see there but i mind whip cracking uh unless you're going to inform me that that is actually the deaf sign for i hate deaf people uh which we've all established no no i don't think i think you're okay with the whip cracks okay great uh the uh so that actually there there can be this idea of like there are different states of being and i think particularly one thing which might be different from the lifefulness approach or an complementary to some of these things and maybe certainly related to something there's a guy called ken wilbur who uh is in this area and we'll talk about later in various ways but of actually looking when you go and think about uh, spiritual growth there's again ways of being which are sort of enjoyable ways to go through the world it's not like this thing of like you have to change because you're bad it's like oh no like kind of like like life can be even better once you are able to go and tune in on like like just being alive i would say that my sort of operating at two speeds in my development where on one side i had sort of undiagnosed adhd and a uh tricky uh tricky (laughs) my mum died that was tricky uh the uh but sort of a a grieving process and sort of unrecognized loss and various other things like that but then what that uh the thing which that did give me was a sort of appreciation of life and which i think you know through no major effort of my own it's just the way that it turned out was just like when thinking about these ideas of how precious life is of how just fortunate we are to be there about the totality of death it sort of 
turned into, uh, I'd say, a evangelical appreciation of life, a sort of mystical humanism, depending on how pretentious I want to get about it. But uh, you can go and access sort of a way of connecting with the world, which is different. And uh, even as I say that, I uh, have got that sort of secular voice in my head saying as of judging how other people are being there. But it is it's a it's an appreciation and a sensibility that you can develop just in as you can develop other sensibilities. And and so, I think, yeah, that would be the sort of selfish way of looking at it of like, yeah, like that pathway of personal development is a rich joyful road to explore it's also hard because you've got to look at yourself and be like oh that part i've got to change that's letting people down that's you know you don't have to kill yourself about it you're not like a bad person this is just how people are but uh yeah there is it can be a joyful process and particularly when done in the context of being with other people. I think that's absolutely right. And it makes me think that one of the things that many religious spaces offer that is on short supply in the secular world is a space to kind of admit vulnerability and admit that you're not living up to your own standards sometimes. You know, it, I, I agree with you that I really dislike the narrative of brokenness. Whenever I hear even liberal religious people talk about how humanity is broken, I'm like, that is not a nice word to use. Yeah. Personally, I find it personally offensive. But also, it just has so many negative connotations that I find it a bit creepy, honestly. And what, what would it mean to be fixed? Like, there's no perfect human being out there that you can just be turned into if, you, if you're kind of soldered back together. But I, the, the idea, as you put it, that we are in process, that, that we are an animal, we're a kludge, mm. an evolutionary kludge, and we've got all sorts of neurological neuroses and all sorts of problems with how we think and biases and also you know it's it's difficult to be a human being it's, we live in a complicated world and it would be nice to have some help yeah i think that thing of it is difficult to be a human being and the it's you know this is a sense of brokenness you know there'll probably be people who say it doesn't come with judgment but like there can be other ideas which maybe can go and uh communicate the fact that we are a work in process a progress a work in process Ooh, interesting uh the uh and and then i suppose one thing as we sort of look to wrap it up would be you know if there isn't an, an ethical society or a sunday assembly or like what would be some of the things that you would recommend people look at if someone wants to start on this journey of sort of uh personal development of like, of psychological maturity are there any particular books any particular exercises what well i'm you... going to be totally honest uh, some of the traditional kind of religious and religious adjacent stuff that people recommend to start particularly kind of spiritual development i suck at i cannot meditate for shit i can't do it i find it absolutely infuriating okay, um, by the way i'm just going to jump in there and say like that's because it wasn't designed as a mass practice like monks are like if you like in east asia today like it's not like something that necessarily everyone does it is a for a very specific cast of mind as well uh and so 
that, but whereas I think that's one of the interesting things about the congregation is the congregation like is the mass participation one. It's the it's the thing. Okay, well, like, actually, we sort of work in groups. It's better. Let's check in a few songs. We're going to do this a bit more the solo, a bit less solo, whatever it might be. That yeah, you are. It's. I think it's almost a shame that mindfulness has become synonymous with personal growth when it's it's one way of doing it. Um, right. And I've always found it easier to connect with the sort of ecstatic experience, the more almost mystical experience of religion. I read as a teenager a bunch of the works of Abraham Maslow and some of the other mm. humanistic psychologists, the people, William James, the people who looked at ecstatic religious experience and transcendent experience from a naturalistic framework without any of the supernatural attached you're just saying these are psychological experiences that human beings can have by the way we can trigger them with mushrooms and now with transcranial stimulation right we can literally you know put some uh, coils by your head and and trigger an out-of-body experience for you and i feel that in kind of live music and large group settings like mm -hmm. concerts and stuff like that that's where i really start to connect with my my spirituality and i feel like that kind of fills up something inside me that enables me to to deal with the rest of my life better and i think what you also uh are touching upon there or maybe you're not but i'm just going to say you are uh is that actually uh one of the important things is the lens that we put on these experiences and so uh there are let's say someone has a near-death experience and if they believe in god it confirms god if they believe in aliens they'll go and see aliens there if they don't really believe in anything they just go oh it's this is happening and so it's the same thing with uh, mushrooms as well but actually if you start to think about these different ex if you start to have a lens where these sort of ecstatic experiences which i think might actually more some of them might fit more under the celebration aspect but they're again part of this personal journey as well like it's these things aren't totally separate they uh is that if you have this lens that oh actually this experience isn't just me getting high and going raving but is an important it's important for me to get in touch with this type of feeling because it teaches me something about myself. Oh, actually, this feeling is a feeling which can move so many different people. And when lots of people connect to this, then we can change. Like you, the lens you have goes and actually does change how that experience affects you. Uh, but you've sort of gone and talked about someone like Abraham, uh, like Maslow, to go and read some of these things. Uh, Robert Keegan, uh, if you want his, uh, he's got a book called uh, Deliberately Developmental Organizations, which is really interesting about how you can take this developmental framework and actually look at it uh, in a business. So that's one thing we're interested in with lifefulness is how this can be applied in business. Um, I think other ways of looking at personal development are looking at your biases. So uh, uh, look at Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow is a good book to go and sort of jumping off point into these things and it is about like interrogating yourself and you know trying to start to understand the murky processes which are going on underneath so again therapy 
Good bit of therapy always helps. I love therapy. I have to say, uh, since I started doing regular therapy, I've become such a better person on so many levels. I really strongly recommend it to everybody. I have. I'm. Uh, I've recently. I've never been able to find a therapist that I stuck with. I've done sort of yeah. So the cognitive behavioral therapy is. It's another... like dating. You really yeah. have to. Yeah. Do and I. <laughs> there's this one. Uh, there's this one. I had a very humorless Norwegian woman who. She said, and I just made a joke, and she said, hmm. Why are you so interested in seizing the paddle? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I was like, whoa, hello. And then sort of, uh, I can remember talking about this feeling that, you know, I was never able to, uh, you know, uh, go and live up to my expectations. I don't know if I'd yet been diagnosed with ADHD then, if I always had this feeling that uh, I wasn't quite uh, doing as well as I could. And she went, Hmm. Uh, where did this feeling of grandiosity come from? I was like, what on earth did I do to you? <laughs> Coming out like firing shots here. Uh, so right. It's it, some therapists make you feel worse when you leave when than when you went in, and that's never good, right? That's when you know you need to find someone else. Uh, so I really hope that that was a useful way to go and explore this idea of personal growth, that it is a, it's found in all of these different spiritual uh, traditions and communities. Uh, there are, there's lots that we can go and learn from them, from looking at them. Uh, but there's also, we've got this whole new set of tools that we can also use in this context. And I, uh, yeah, for anyone who is new to this, yeah, we really, at the Life on This Project, we really want to go and help you guys on your journey of personal development in the ways that we can. So have we nailed that one, James? I think we totally nailed it. I don't think anyone will have any questions about lifefulness or personal growth now we've done that podcast. <laughs> We, um, a lot of broken people were listening to this and we've got the super glue out. We've got little Humpty Dumpty, Humpty Deffy, and we have gone and put them all together again. Uh, so uh, we love you all. Uh, we're gonna, there's another one of these, uh, which you can probably listen to now. Um, bye. Hey there, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Whenever I go and listen back to these, I'm just like James and I, uh, we really started working together properly this year. It's been one of my real sort of uh, COVID bonuses. So whenever I hear these, I, you know, just think about how much I like him and how much I like talking to him. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, yeah, please go and if you want to share, subscribe, all of those things. If you want to get more involved, like I said, we've got uh, info in the show notes about the small groups. Thanks so much to James for all he brings to this. Thanks to Mavs for doing the production. Thanks to Will Andrews for doing the artwork. And thanks to the amazing Roman Rapak and Miro Schott for creating the music that you are listening to right now.